0: join me in the litany of invitation and confession that is written in your order of worship. God, who called all worlds into being, calls forth new life in us today.
1: We praise God in whose created is and power.
0: God, whose spirit calls all people to love, gifts us with boldness as we attempt to love one another. In so doing, we identify with others who struggle with faith, but who are called to faithful living. Beloved in Christ, God is merciful and full of grace. We are forgiven. Rejoice in the gift of love that makes us whole.
2: Welcome to the worship of God at Northside Drive Baptist Church. Outside it's a rather dreary day. But inside, your faces uh, that carry the light of God and, and in your heart are a gift to me and a gift to one another. So welcome to the worship of God. It's a special occasion today. It's called the Baptism of Christ Sunday. And every year on this day, we pause to think about baptism what that meant and means to us or will mean to us, and also what it meant to Christ and what it's meant to the church. Uh, everything about the service today will be something about that theme. We, we dress with white pyramids and stoles to celebrate the High Holy Day. On the front cover of the Order of Service is that famous uh, painting by Verrocchio that evidently Leonardo had a hand in, and uh, per the story, especially Jordan Clark, that I told two weeks ago, that once Leonardo painted the angels, Verrocchio said, I'm putting down my paint brush to never paint again, because the student has learned everything I have to teach. The hymns that we sing today will be about baptism, and the final hymn will be that the Navy hymn. Some of you who served in the military will recognize. Um, The children today will be taking a field trip. You see that the light is on in the baptistry, and so it's time for them and for us to learn a little more about that. A font is out in the narthex, and an explanation of that is on the back. It gives us an opportunity to renew our baptismal vows by the touching of the water. I'll be preaching on the gospel, which is the John the Baptist and Jesus story about baptism, so pay particular attention to that. And if you're a guest today, a special welcome to you. For any of you, uh, members or guests that uh, have a prayer request, we have a lot going on in the needs of the congregation right now. Place that on the card that's on the edge of your order of service. Drop it in the offering plate. It's an honor for our staff to pray for you by name and by need every week. Welcome to the worship of God. Let us open our hearts as well as our ears.
0: A promise from God for when the tough times come A reading from the book of Isaiah But now thus says the Lord He who created you, O Jacob He who formed you, O Israel Do not fear, for I have redeemed you I have called you by name You are mine When you pass through the waters, I will be with you And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in exchange for you, because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. I give people in return for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from far away, and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Here ends the first lesson. And now let us say our prayers. God of mercy and God of comfort, we pray for mercy and comfort in equal measure, for there are many in our congregation and countless others in the world in need. We pray for Kenneth Dean, in Grady Hospital recovering from a stroke for Mary and family. We pray for Donat Lee and Deborah Oakley for the deaths of brother and mother. We pray for the hungry, suffering children in famine-stricken Yemen, may they be fed. We pray for the children separated from families at the border. May they be reunited. We pray for those struggling from paycheck to paycheck. May stability come. And for each of these who have gathered at this hour to worship, who bring their own concerns, may you speak to them now. We pray for the wonder of your will being revealed. May we be faithful enough to discern it. We pray for the comforting embrace of the Holy Spirit. May we be open enough to experience it. And we pray for the sound of your voice. May we be still enough to hear it. For it is your voice which stills the raging seas. It is your voice which creates and sustains and holds. It is your voice which affirms and blesses. Your voice which said to Jesus on the day of his baptism, You are my Son, the Beloved, with you I'm well pleased. And it was Jesus' voice which taught his disciples to pray, and Jesus' voice which teaches us to pray. That prayer of mercy and comfort, and let us say it together, saying boldly, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven.
2: Believers in Christ discover the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the Word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. The two went down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet the Spirit had not come upon any of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Here ends the second lesson.
3: Children, would y'all please come forward at this time? And don't sit down today, because we're going to go on a field trip. It's a month. All right. come on, come on. Okay, we're going to go up here where Pastor James is. Y'all go ahead and start making your way slowly, slowly, lots of steps, lots of steps. Okay, well, we're in a different place today, aren't we? You see everybody? You can wave. Say hi. So, you guys look back at me. We're in the, this is called the baptistry. And we're back here because today is the baptism of Christ Sunday, just like Pastor James said. And so today, what we're talking about is baptism. And you may say to yourself, what is baptism? Baptism. Or, you may say, well, I haven't been baptized, but you know, we're going to talk a little bit about that today. So, I wanted to, wanted us to listen to Pastor Daniel. He was going to tell us about when he baptized Mary Frances. So, y'all put your eyes on him and listen for just a minute.
0: Well, good morning, everyone. It was such a special day just about a couple of years ago when I baptized Mary Frances, it wasn't here. It was at a church in Knoxville, First Baptist Church, Knoxville. And Mary Frances looked out there, as one day you might, and she saw family and friends. And then I looked to her and I said, I said, Mary Frances, and by the way, we're going to show you the baptism. Your baptism worked the first time. This doesn't count as number two, okay? I said, Mary Frances, what is your confession? And what did you say?
3: Jesus is Lord.
0: Jesus is Lord, she said. And then... Imagine this is full of water. So when you're going underwater, what do you do with your nose? Yeah, you plug it. Yeah. So go ahead ahead and plug your nose. And I said, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. She went all the way under the water and she came up and she looked out and everybody clapped. And it was a great day. And I love you, Mary Frances. Thanks for letting me tell that again.
3: Thank you, Pastor Daniel. Mm -hmm. So... When you get baptized, you you go under the water and you get all wet. But it's not just that. You proclaim that Jesus is Lord of all in your heart and everywhere. And so today, read, read, don't get too high over there, man. And so today, we're, <laughs> we're, we came up here to remember that. So let's all say a little prayer about that special gift of baptism. Let's bow our heads. Dear God, thank you for your special gift of baptism. Help us all to feel your Holy Spirit moving in our hearts until the time when we feel led to be baptized and to proclaim you as Lord of all. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, y'all go back that way to Pastor James.
0: Watch your step, one at a time, okay? John the Baptist proclaims the good news, and Jesus is baptized. A reading from the gospel according to Luke. As the people were filled with expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, "'I baptize you with water, "'but one who is more powerful than I is coming. "'I'm not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals.' He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now, when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks.
2: Well, I think that was a successful field trip, taking the children up to the baptistry. And I wanted to note that no children were injured or harmed in the making of that field trip. There was a time when Lois Peacock went in the baptistry and fell and broke her arm. So I didn't want to tell the children that before we <laughs> there. So uh, all good news. Uh, now. The story we just heard read about the baptism of Jesus, as I think about the story that Luke tells and all the gospel writers tell, uh, I would almost say that if I didn't know better, it was written by Flannery O'Connor. Some of you have been studying Flannery O'Connor in church school for two weeks, and you know that she has a thing for the grotesque. Right? She was asked about that on several occasions, and on one she said of why she used that genre. And she said, well, you know, um, sometimes you have to say things loud enough and big enough for those of us who are deaf and blind to even see and hear it. And so you think about her stories, and it has that impact edge of the grotesque. As the gospel writers tell the story about John, they often use that genre as well. Not so much in Luke that we heard read, but in Mark and Matthew. You hear John walking onto the scene, and he's wearing a, uh, a robe, a long robe, uh, made from a camel. And he's got a leather belt around uh, his waist, and in his beard is crusted his diet. Kind of like my ties come to think of it. In his beard is uh, crust- crustaceans of uh, locusts and wild honey. Just imagine eating that diet. I remember one time I preached on this and Bedford Davis came up to me and said, you ever had locusts and wild honey? And I said, not, not yet. I didn't know if that was on Louise's diet plan. But he said, well, you think about it. It's a lot of protein, carbohydrates, and sugar in it. So it's not so bad. I still think it would be pretty bad myself. I can imagine baptizing somebody in the name of the, excuse excuse me, uh, uh, leg of locust there. Ah, Yuck. That was his diet. And so with this rather grotesque image, Uh, we see John on the pages of the New Testament. Maybe it's because the writers were trying to to get our attention and to prove a point. That's why I thought of the sermon title of uh, John as an employee of the non-boring God. When you think of the life of John and the God he spoke of, being bored was never uh, a part of it. That's the title, but here's the thrust of that whole text that, that I was working with. The thrust is that you will not always be safe in this world. You will not always be or feel safe in this world, but you will always be beloved by God. We, we love safety. We love security. But oftentimes it's in our imagination rather than our reality, right? Right? In my opinion, and I appreciate what Virginia uh, Gilbert and friends did at Triple E uh, the other day regarding gun safety, I myself don't think that more teachers with guns is a good idea. And that's from all the teachers I know saying, I don't want my colleagues carrying a, carrying a weapon. We want our children to be safe. You know, we put them in bed, the three-year-old lay them down they're asleep there's a moonbeam that comes across their forehead with a curl of hair and we pray for their safety and every day we take them to school and about many times a year there is a school shooting we want that safety we want that security but we don't have the power to always make that happen that's an illusion and that's the confession And you follow the life of John the Baptist in this text, though the lectionary cut it out, he goes to jail because he preached truth to power. And power never likes the truth, does it? Let's go around the table and everybody brag on me. That's what I like. I'm not listening for the truth. Herod didn't want it, put him in jail, and eventually killed him. And he died in prison. Well... That's the thesis that rose of those, and got me. Those two things about we are not always safe in this world. But in this world and in the world to come, we will always be beloved by God. And here's how I got there. First, I was thinking about John the Baptist. John, who landed like a cannonball on the first lines of the New Testament, splashed down, was in the Jordan River, and some of you have been to the Jordan River. Some of you have been baptized near or where Jesus was baptized. John maybe made a bigger splash than he intended. He came preaching about repent for the kingdom is near. And everybody turned out. Gospel of Mark says all of Jerusalem turned out to hear him. Mark was a preacher, given to hyperbole, I think. So it wouldn't have been all Jerusalem, but maybe some of the painters put on their paintbrushes or the potters uh, set aside the clay, The schools closed to go see and go hear what John's message was all the way out there. So they go out there looking for John. There he is. He's preaching. But why did they go? Why did they make the journey out to the wilderness to hear? Well, it uh, wasn't because of his attire, was it? I mean, his clothes were scruffy, beard, locust, all that. He he would not have been on GQ or Lands' End or LL Bean. It was not because of his attire. It was not because he preached a prosperity gospel. I mean, I figured he was a lot uglier than Joel Osteen. It was not because he preached nostalgia. All we need to do is make God good again. No, he said, we're looking forward because there is one coming. One coming whose shoelace I am not even worthy to unloose. And he was looking toward the future that was different from the past. That was John. Why did they turn out not for that, not for that, not for that? But here's why, I think. Because they heard in John's voice a sound of the genuine. Remember that phrase, don't you? The sound of the genuine. It was said not far from here in 1980 by Howard Thurman at the 1980 Spelman College graduating class. He said, there is something in every one of you that waits and listens for the sound of the genuine in in yourself. And if you cannot hear it, you will never find what you are searching for. The sound of the genuine. I think that's what all of Jerusalem and all of Judea was hearing in John's voice. This sound of the genuine. that something about who he was matched what he said and I know for me perhaps you that doesn't always happen yeah he preached the sound of the genuine I think uh, that's why people came to be baptized so I think about it when I was a kid and I was baptized at 10 years old near the age of some who went up in the baptistry uh, it's because I recognized the sound of the genuine in my pastor's voice his name was Don Harbuck. and I've told this story a lot, uh, so I won't go into all the details. But Don Harbuck had had polio as a young man. You remember that. His arms hung beside him like dead pendulums that had not been wound. He could lift his left arm a little bit, but that was it. So how do you do the baptizing if your arms don't work? Well, you call on the deacons. And there was a deacon, Wilton Avery. Wilton Everett was trained to do the baptism, and Don stood in the baptistry late, raising his left hand and saying the words that Daniel mentioned. But I was baptized by a deacon. As I think about the sound of the genuine, I think about John and Don, and I think it is not safe. It is a not safe world to speak the sound of the genuine. Because, as I mentioned, when it came to John T. Baptist, he ended up in jail, and then he ended up dead. When it came to Don R. Harbuck, he left our church that year. I was baptized by Christmas, and had moved to Arkansas. And you remember this story, too, that he took a stand on race in the 1960s, and he was for integration. And the town he was in in Arkansas was not. You remember the story that he was standing in the narthex at the end of the service, and as people came by, one guy in the church was so mad, he reared back and whack, hit Don, and knocked him to the floor in the narthex. Don, being one of the smartest guys I know, and also one of the quickest with a word, said to him, It must take a lot of courage to knock a man down who can't defend himself. This is not a safe world, as safe as we would want it to be, but the world of God challenges us to live into all God calls us to be. Don, I think, did. John T. the Baptist did. And we are called to do the same, though it's not safe. Remember that line from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Where Mrs. Beaver is describing Aslan, the Christ figure, the big lion, to the children. And he has a deep mane, she says. And his eyes glow and stare. And his paws are huge. And the children ask, "Well, Mrs. Beaver... Is he safe? And you remember what she says. No, dearie, he is not safe. But he is good. It is not a safe world that we were born into. And the Bible doesn't promise that it is. But the Bible does promise that we are beloved in this world. In this world and the world to come. That's what I learned from Jesus in the text. One of the things I like about Luke is that he really downplays the story of the baptism of Jesus. Jesus just takes a number, gets in line, everybody else is baptized, and then Jesus is. That's it. It's not, it's in the other Gospels that John sees him coming and sings out, Behold the Lamb of God. Isn't that the way it goes? Behold the Lamb of God that cast away. Sings from the Messiah, something like that, like that. But there's no singing in Luke. Or in another gospel, John is saying, I shouldn't baptize you, you should baptize me. And then Jesus says, no, we have to get this done this way to fulfill all righteousness. None of that's in Luke. Jesus takes the number, gets in line, the line moves through, and then Jesus is baptized. I kind of like that. I like it that in that kind of nondescript story, I can identify with Jesus. I can get in line. It reminded me of a picture that I had seen probably 40 years ago of Christ in the bread lines. You've seen that? It's a... It's a wood carving that a print has been made. Christ in the bread lines. He's in the middle of the line. It's during the Depression. And all of the men, and there's one woman kind of slumped over because their posture has taken on their discouragement. And in the bread line, there's the silhouette of Jesus. Matter of fact, I brought a copy of it with me here. I'll bring it to the narthex so that you can see it better. But it's Christ, the Christ of the breadlines. You can see him there, silhouetted in the middle. I really didn't know who did this, the artist. But it was a German Jew named, uh, let me read, Eichenberg. Eichenberg born about the turn of the century around 1900. But as Hitler rose to power, he decided to take his family to safety in New York City where they moved. But he was an artist and he was working, found work, and finally was working for the WPA. Remember that? Like the CCC camps during the New Deal. He worked for the WPA and in particular, the Federal Arts Project you think about that? And now, the Federal Arts Project funded by the WPA. His wife died during that time, and he kind of lost his faith. He tried other traditions, and eventually ended up a Quaker. And while he was at a Quaker meeting, he met a woman named Dorothy Day, who was a force to be reckoned with among the Roman Catholic Church to take the, the, the justice gospel to the labor unions to those who were underpaid and she preached the social gospel gospel. matter of fact she started a newspaper called the Catholic uh, Reporter Review and it was published and guess who she hired as the illustrator. Eichenberg, Christ of the Breadlines. I think it is a helpful image for me to remember that Christ is in every line that I stand in. The ATM uh, near the birthing bed waiting for news, near the deathbed ready to hear the news, that Christ is in that line. He hears from the baptismal line a word from heaven you are my beloved son, it's second person you are my beloved son in you I am well pleased and in that I hear the gospel that he took to the world including us that we too bring that blessing this past Wednesday as we were talking about this text I asked the folks there who blessed you What person, a stranger, a relative, a friend, a teacher, a coach, said, you are worthy just as you are? One of them shared, it was a stranger, a homeless man who needed money. He was hungry. And I gave it to him. And the homeless man reached out, hugged me, looked me in the eye, and said, bless you. Bless you and the eyes glazed a bit in the telling of the story. Who was it that blessed you? Hold that image like a voice from God as you go out this week in a not safe world with a carpool, with the commute, with your colleagues. In this old world, it's not safe. But in this old world, you will always be, always be, beloved by God. Amen. It is our tradition that when a word is offered, an invitation to dedication is also offered. As we ponder what it means to be immersed in God's love and grace, we also ponder what it means to walk out of here carrying that into the world we meet. We'll sing a song about that as we bless the name of Christ the Lord. Let's stand together and sing.
0: Each time we gather, we bring celebrations and concerns and griefs that we had, and I will bring a few of those to you this morning. Uh, First, on a high note, uh, those who were able to come to Triple E last Tuesday, wasn't that a great time together? I mean, Virginia, where's Virginia? Keith is obscuring. Hey, Virginia, I see you. I'm so grateful for you, and for Lee, and for all the moms in our congregation, and all those who share in the great work that Virginia has been doing uh, about educating persons about gun violence. Thank you, Virginia. Wanted to announce to you that the young adults will be starting a new book study. You will actually be at Virginia and JV Gilbert's for this coming Wednesday. If you're interested in that, see me about that. I'll get you a book and information. Check out the electronic pinnacle if you haven't already. There's an update about the steeple. You all knew that the, the spire fell. Did you know that, James? heard about that well it's not here anymore it's been in our parking lot for some time and a salvage company took it away we bid you adieu well the insurance company has come through with a partial payment and you'll be seeing repairs starting soon so that's good news right we rejoice in that check out the pinnacle for more information now you know some days when we get together we just look up to the heavens and say lord have mercy I think that's one of those days. There's some heavy things going on in the congregation. Donette Lee's brother, Larry, in Jackson, Mississippi, died on Friday. Donette's on the way there now for the funeral. Deborah Oakley's mother died on Saturday morning. She'd been on hospice. Dan, I'm so glad you're with us this morning. Family friend to Andrea and Norm Johnson, a young 24-year-old woman named Katie died of a heart attack last week, devastating. And our very own Kenneth Dean is in Grady Hospital this morning as we speak, and Mary says that he suffered a very serious stroke yesterday. Their whole family is gathered. James and I will visit later this afternoon. Lord, have mercy. We're going to need to lean on each other. And the offertory hymn that you're about to hear encourage us us to do that look at those opening words one faith one hope one lord one voice so let us worship with one voice
2: A loving God, we come to this place immersed, covered by the waters of grace, surrounded by the stream of love. As we come to this place, send us forth in gratitude that we bring this day. May we be people of grace, wearing the name of our God of love. Bless us as we prepare and bless these offerings and gifts. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. And as you prepare to go, remember that Christ is standing in every line that you stand this week, whether it be at the ATM, whether it be at the cafeteria, whether it be wherever you are, that Christ is with you and with those who are homeless and hungry and waiting. And so, may the strength of Christ uplift you. The comfort of the Holy Spirit surrounds you. And the grace and mercy of God give you hope and give you courage. This day and every day, as we prepare to go in peace, Amen.